We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to WTIC's Pet Talk. Today, Drs. Andrea Dennis and Eva Saranovich take your pet health questions. This is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC. 1-800-966-WTIC or start WTIC from your cell phone if you have AT&T Wireless. And now, Pet Talk. Good afternoon. And it is one of those leap year Saturdays. It's not many times that I don't think we've ever been on the air on the 29th of February on a Saturday. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, we've not, I, don't, I, we've, I don't think so. I know our minds are not. We, we do forget things. Well, I'm sure we'd crisply remember this. <laughs> I would, but happy leap year day from the veterinarians and uh, from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. I'm Dr. Andrea Dennis. And I'm Dr. Eva Saranovich. And we are going to spend the next uh, 55 minutes with you discussing some of the issues that we want to uh, bring to the table, some things that um, we'd like to bring to your attention. But the main objective of this show is that we talk with you about your pets. We answer questions. We try to guide you where you should be um, sort of considering um, whether it's time to take your pet to a specialist, whether it's time just to go ahead and it, uh, take your, your pet to your veterinarian for this issue. But that's what we're here for. So please give us a call because the priority is you. And that's 860-522-9842 or 1-800-966-9842. Uh, and we would love to speak with you. We um, generally um, tr try to give every person as much time as possible, but we do know that if you can call in early, we will promise that we will get you on the air and we will deal with your um, specific issue. The main thing for today that we wanted to bring uh, to discuss was the fact that people constantly ask us, what is the safest food I can feed my pet? Or what's the best food that I can feed my pet? And a lot of this, um, the, the impetus to do this story or to discuss this topic today was because there's a lot of false information that has been presented out, um, out there. Uh, some people are, are claiming that they're specialists on nutrition and pets and they're not really specialists. I think for us, we have, um, when it came to the grain-free diets, uh, we were... Um, we probably should have been a little bit more vocal as veterinarians because most veterinarians do not feel that there's any benefit. And then most recently, we do know that there's the a possible really strong link that it could be to the detriment of their health. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, when we talk about 
uh, grain-free diets. Uh, the, most of your diets are developed, are made up of protein and a carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. And the grains that were in dog foods for years and years and years were things like rice, wheat-based, corn, even pasta. When we talk about grain-free diets, instead of having those items in in the food as a carbohydrate, then the grain-free diets mainly use lentils or what we call legumes, peas, potatoes, sweet potatoes. That's pretty much the difference. Right. Um, they all have a – it's not a protein source. There will be different types of protein, but that's the difference. Right. And you found that um, – There's an issue with a specific uh, condition of the heart. Right. There's a disease called dilated cardiomyopathy, which is a disease of the heart that is characterized by um, an enlarged heart size and thinning of the heart muscle. So the muscle can't work effectively. You get the chambers get larger, Mm -hmm. the muscle's not working. Um, And and it's not a new disease, um, except in dogs. They're kind of specific breeds that seem to genetically get it. There were some dogs that were prone to... a deficiency of a substance called taurine mm-hmm. um, that that it would get it. Um, you know, the giant some giant breed dogs are prone: Dobermans, Great Danes, Irish Wolfhounds. Uh, cats used to get it. We used to not have enough taurine. They went through a stretch where there wasn't enough taurine in cats' diets, and it was pretty common at the time. But now we really right. hardly see it because all the di- diets are supplemented. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the disease. And um, what had happened recently is that. We started seeing an increase in in these cases for some reason of right. dilated cardiomyopathy in breeds that you didn't expect to see it in. Right. Um, so they needed to. It was kind of then looking at where is this coming from and what's happening and why are we seeing it? Um, and it seemed to be linked to diets. Yeah. It seemed to be linked to grain free was one of the big ones. Right. But they said it's not just an issue with grain free diets and what they say is boutique and exotic ingredients and in grain free. So it's there are lots of pet food companies out there. When you walk into a pet food store, there are pet food. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many brands that somebody people come in, and I don't even haven't even heard of half the brands. Right. Neither have I. Um, so you wonder when you have very small boutique brands that, and, and it's not and not calling anyone out, but if and because it's not that there's a lot of dogs, but mm-hmm. there are some dogs this is happening to. So it's if you don't. If there's something nutritionally deficient and maybe then you combine something in that dog itself that makes it prone to this, who knows? Mm-hmm. But it is happening. It's a real thing. We see, you know, when you talk to cardiologists, they see these this cardiomyopathy that it's not caused by something else because they know if they catch it early and they change the diet, the heart can get back to normal. Change the diet to a, um, a grain diet. A, a, diet tr- with a traditional diet with grains in it that right. these hearts can get mm-hmm. back to normal. So it's not, it's not that this disease happens and they die from it. All of them die from it. Some of them definitely can. Mm-hmm. Um, and we maybe it's the diet. No, there's dogs we specifically know that it's diet related. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, I would say maybe 15 years ago, this probably became... Um, um, sort of a, a thing for people to come in, decide that they were going to go to uh, in these grain-free diets. And people will ask us about it. And that's where I kind of feel, um, not guilty, but feel that, it, again, knowledge is just so powerful. I've never put my, any of my pets on a game, grain-free diet because there was never any proof that it was better for them. Right. And now, again, we're speaking out because we now know that there's a really strong leak. And yes, the research is still ongoing, but there is really strong evidence that we need. That's why we needed to bring to, to the radio show today. Right. But um, I, I think that what we do sometimes as humans is that 
when we, you know, there was a, an issue where people are, there's a sort of a trend where people are more on gluten-free diets. Right. And what we tend to do is say, okay, what's good for a human or what pe- we think is maybe better for a human is not necessarily our best what's for our pets. And right. we can't extrapolate from humans to, to pets. Right. Especially, I think, until the ongoing research is done. You can't say in, until they if they figure out why this is happening, I think you just you want to be safer. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, going back to the the taurine, you know, I think we knew that taurine deficiency, which is an amino acid, um, in cats, I used to see it quite a bit in people that would feed a, a homemade diet or right. a, a raw diet or a diet that was just predominantly protein, and that's why you know we always recommend using um, a commercial diet from from for most cats, and we do feel that there is not that strong link with taurine uh, as far as this dilated cardiomyopathy in dogs. It's definitely I mean, I think 93% of the cases that have this the cardiomyopathy, it's definitely been on a grain-free diet. Right. And and they're not, and they've shown that they're not all taurine deficient. Right. Exactly. And then you want to talk about the raw diets. Right. And so some people then say, well, I don't, all these pet foods, you have problems. I'm going to go with, a, I'm going to go with a raw diet, which mm-hmm. is feeding raw meat. Um, however you do it, whether it's, uh, whether you buy a commercial raw meat diet, whether you do it yourself. And there are risks with raw diets. A, there's no benefit shown. Uh, we hear it all the time. People say to us, oh, but that's what wolves eat. <laughs> right. I don't know how long wolves live in the wild, but I'm thinking probably not as long as our 20-year-old dogs do that that make it pretty far. So right. there's not a benefit. There's not a reason to feed raw meat. Mm-hmm. The problems with feeding raw meat is we cook food for a reason. We cook food because of disease. And the diseases that that we are cooking it for ourselves can affect dogs as well. I hear people say, well, these dogs, these things aren't a problem, but salmonella and campylobacter are a problem. And since people started feeding raw meat, we see more cases of dogs with salmonella and campylobacter problems. We do. And again, our dogs are tough. And so some of them don't show any signs of what they have. But the problem is, is you're handling the raw meat, you're handling their food, you're picking up their stool, and they can give it to you, in particular, small children or immunocompetent immunocompromised individuals can get infected from their animals because you're feeding this raw food. So it's not, it's not going to solve your, if it doesn't have grains in it, A, it's not going to solve your, or it's not nutritionally balanced. It won't solve your cardiomyopathy problem, but it sure can cause a lot of other problems. So I know people love it, but I wouldn't eat it myself. Mm -mm. So, you know, I I want my chicken cooked. I want my beef cooked. I don't I don't want those pathogens. Right. Well, I'm not a sushi either either. So I like things cooked. Everything cooked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what do you do? What do you do if you're listening to this conversation and you have been feeding your your dog or cat uh, a grain free diet? I I would go ahead and um, not panic, first of all. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I would bring that to your veterinarian's attention. Um, I think that you know, we we are we always listen to the heart every time any of our patients come through the door, even if they're coming in because they have an ear infection. We listen to the heart every single time, mm-hmm. even before this was an issue. Um, but having that yearly or uh, biannual visit to your veterinarian is so important. And then when you're um, be, they're asking you questions, how, how's your dog or your cat been? And the, um, you know, the, the veterinary technician is asking for some specific issues. How are the, how's the stools? You know, let them know what you've been eating. I think we are starting to ask too more, what's the diet that they've been on and just have a good physical exam. Again, no panicking. 
mm-hmm. our recommendation. And I'm sure we could have 100 phone calls saying, oh, well, I'm going to stay with the grain-free diet. I think it's better. And that is your choice. Uh, we're just here to try to present as much information as possible. But if, like I said, if I would not be on one or have my pets on one, then gradually switch over to another diet. And you can ask your veterinarian and ask the veterinary office, what, what diets do they recommend? Right, because even... We don't quite understand what's happening, but the reality is until we know more, you really, you'd want us to stay away from these diets is the recommendation. Um, And then early signs of heart disease, this type of heart disease, Mm -hmm. it can be weakness, slowing down, less able to exercise, shortness of breath, coughing, or fainting. So if you notice any of those signs, regardless of whether you've been feeding this diet, those are all reasons to see your veterinarian because those are signs of heart disease. Very good point. Okay, so we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we would love to talk with you. Any question about any disease process, if you have a dog that's or a cat that's limping, um, we're here to help. But you're listening to the Veterinary Edition of Pet Talk on WTIC News Talk 1080. Welcome back. You are listening to the veterinary edition of Pet Talk. I'm Dr. Andrea Dennis, along with Dr. Eva Saranovich, and we are here to answer your questions. I will throw out those phone numbers because we would love to chat with you about anything having to do with your pets, and that's 860-522-9842, or you can dial 1-800-966-9842. And uh, we've been talking about the proper way, what we would recommend feeding your pets, the safe way to feed your pets. Um, We've talked about obesity um, on other shows over the years, but this we have been watching and we have been sort of kind of waiting to really bring this to the to the radio show till we had as much information as possible. And and again, I think part of the push was there is some misinformation out there. So we just wanted to to clarify it for you. So we did talk about not the, we, that we're not recommending grain-free diets and why. We talked about the digest, um, dilated cardiomyopathy. And then some people say to us, well, we would rather just feed a, a homemade diet. What, mm-hmm. what do you think? Can I just give them chicken and rice at home? And then we get into another 20-minute discussion about homemade diets. So um, can, let's, maybe you can start us off about when we should not even really consider a homemade diet. So avoiding homemade diets, um, there's some situations where it's just not advisable because it's difficult to balance these diet and have them accurate for what that animal needs. Mm-hmm. Young growing animals, less than 12 months of age, and um, for most uh, for cats and most dogs, but less than 18 months and some giant breed dogs, uh, you really want a good balanced puppy diet for those animals. Right. Um, you know, talk to your veterinarian about what they think are the most appropriate, but it's probably not a good time to experiment with home cooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, pregnant or nursing animals have some very high nutritional needs and they're feeding puppies and they have nutritional needs. So probably not the best time there either. Right. Um, if you're doing a weight loss diet, you know, it, it probably best to stick with a weight loss plan and a and some diet there. And then if you want to do home cooked once the weight is off, just to kind of keep it, it's difficult. It can be hard to get weight off of animals. You want it to be nutritionally, very nutritionally balanced. 
And last is most cats, um, that you are better off feeding a balanced food. Cats are picky. Uh, cats don't necessarily right. take well to homemade they diets, sure or they may pick out what they want from the homemade diet. Mm-hmm. And they're cats are such funny creatures, and they're so tough in so many ways, but they are very... They can be so sensitive to things, imbalances in nutrition. So probably not the best idea. The other thing is when you want to think twice about giving a homemade diet is that they're off, they often are more expensive uh, to make. And you have to make sure you have the, the time to do it properly. And we have a couple of websites that we're going to give you um, and when we're done with this, this section because of the fact that you really want to work with a veterinary nutritionist to get the proper um, the proper diet if you're going to make it at home. But they do tend to be more expensive, and that may not be an issue for you, which is fine, but just putting that out there. Um, and again, I know um, I know personally I don't have the time right now in my life to make a homemade diet, and that's why I don't for my dog and cat. Um, and many times this, again, comes up when people have, we've diagnosed a medical problem on with one of their, one of their pets, whether it is, um, a kidney failure situation, or whether, again, we were talking about heart disease. And there are prescription diets that a lot of research has gone into the best things to feed uh, a dog and cat with me- some medical conditions. Diabetes is a big one in cat that's cats that we know, the type of diabetes that cats get. If we can put them on a special diet developed by veterinarians for diabetes, we have a chance of turning them around along with some short-term insulin. So the the, the prescription diets really, uh, I feel, outperform any homemade diet that you can that you can make, even with um, vet, some veterinary advice. A lot of GI issues do really well with special diets. So again, we we want to keep them very, very healthy as much as possible. And again, work with your veterinarian on this. But I do think that um, some of those medical conditions or really most medical conditions, the the diet, the homemade diet isn't perfect. I had one person um, not too long ago, their dog was diagnosed with cancer and they found a diet online. I don't feel it was nutritiously balanced, what what I know, um, but he was convinced that's what he was going to feed. And you know, we understand that. We understand you want to try to do the best for your pets, but we're, that's what we're here to help for, right. help you with, and there is more help available. And if you decide that you want to take on this challenge and more power to you, because again, I don't feel like I have the time to do it, right? Mm-mm. It's hard enough getting my own nutrition, right? right. <laughs> exactly. Um, places to look. Um, so the Tufts Nutrition Department has their uh, their website and there's their blog, their petfoodology.org is a place to go. VetNutritionTufts.edu is a place to go. Balanceit.com. Uh, These are all places. And then PetDiets.com. Mm-hmm. These are all website uh, pages or places where you, and there's a fee for it, but you they will help you with doing a balanced diet right. based on your pet's medical records, medical conditions, whether your pet's healthy. They'll help you formulate a balanced diet that is good for your animal and can help you with amounts to feed. Um, they also help you with supplements, how to make these diets nutritionally adequate for those animals. Um, you don't, 
you don't want to get buy some of these commercially prepared raw foods. You want to get if you're going to make this stuff, you're going to get fresh food, stuff that you know is not contaminated, stuff that you would eat yourself, that type of thing. Um, when you do this, it's important when you get these diets that you follow them exactly. Otherwise, you're going to veer off from their recommendations. And there was an interesting study that showed that people that started um, in 2015, Tufts did a study, and people that started with a balanced homemade diet as prescribed. A year later, only 15% of it were people were following that diet. It's not easy. It really isn't. No. Um, and so you need to, and when you're doing a home-cooked diet, make sure your veterinarian knows. Make sure we're monitoring for everything and make that things are going well. Um, but again, I guess the last thing is just talk to your veterinarian about this. Right. And don't do it on your own. Don't don't see something you read on Facebook or or I found this book that's not written by a veterinary nutritionist or somebody told me. You really want somebody who's put a lot of time and effort into studying this to get the best for your pet. Right. We reach out to the specialists and nutrition mm-hmm. nutritionists veterinarians because we 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 don't know as much as they do. Right. All right. So we're going to uh that's going to bring us right up to our news section of the show, but we will be back for another half hour with more veterinary edition of Pet Talk on WTIC News Talk 1080. Don't have to be It is Saturday, and this is the veterinary edition of Pet Talk. I am Dr. Andrea Dennis, and I am with Dr. Eva Saranovich. We're from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital, where we work Monday through Saturday. And uh, you were on today, so everything go okay for you? It was good. Yeah. It was a good day. Very nice people. You know, and that makes Saturdays go by so fast. And everybody makes me smile. Mm -hmm. It makes for a great Saturday. And we had some cute puppies coming through yesterday. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Just absolutely adorable. So even though we have to deal with many serious issues, there are some days that it's just healthy pets coming in Mm -hmm. and or everyone responds very quickly to medication. We still love what we do. It's... um, we have some of the best people uh, that we can possibly deal with. And, pe- and I think animals bring out the best in people. Mm-hmm. So that's what we see. Uh, we were talking about uh, diets earlier in the show. But as we promise, we will talk about anything that you're concerned about uh, with your pets. And it sounds like, Susan, we're going to bring you up here. But it's probably hard to talk about for you. Well, yes, I lost my peekaboo. My boy Peekapoo Peek-a-boo. about three mm-hmm. weeks ago, mm-hmm. and a year ago he was diagnosed with stage two lymphoma, mm-hmm. and I had a choice of seeking a possible cure or keeping him comfortable with prednisone, mm-hmm. and I chose the prednisone, right. and he made it for a year. Well, that's, very good. That's very good. <laughs> No, but that is really quite good. I mean, a lot of times when that diagnosis, we will tell our our, our clients and our own, they, they, maybe six months, but you want good quality life. Did well, he? Well, they they gave me two months, but he uh, made it a year. So really good. <laughs> That's yep. excellent. Okay, now I'm thinking of getting another dog, <laughs> and and I'm looking at a Chihuahua. Okay. And I'm I've never had Chihuahuas before. Now the dog that I lost was a little dog. He was a Peekaboo. Mm-hmm. So I think chihuahuas are about the same size. Right. Well, right. Oh, and one of my concerns is, is it possibly contagious that 
that my previous dog had lymphoma? There are, um, as far as dogs go, there are not contagious forms of lymphoma among dogs. Oh, that's great to hear. Right. <laughs> yeah. There, there are some species that there are, but not in dogs. Okay. Super to hear, yeah. So you want a smaller dog that kind of sits on your lap, and um, I assume you, a chihuahua doesn't really need to go to the groomer. Right. Is that some of the things, that's why you're kind of deciding on that specific breed? Well, I, I went online, and this is a... A shelter in East Hartford. I don't know if you want the name or not, but it's no, okay. We don't need to. But yeah. Well, the first thing I went online up pops this face of this dog looks <laughs> exactly like the one I lost, so that drew my attention right away. And he happens to be a Chihuahua. Okay. <laughs> and okay. If you know what, sometimes I think if the face speaks out to you that you got to go that way. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you just got to go meet them. Yeah, that, that's why I, I put in an application, Good. and I'm waiting to hear back when I can go see them. So. Oh, Good. wonderful. And a lot of times um, they, they're in foster homes, which is really a nice way to see them if, you know, you have these um, rescue groups, but they're not in some, um, you know, standalone building, but they're sort of acclimated to a, a foster home. And, and that you get to see, and they get to tell you what kind of personality they have. Um, a lot of times, Chihuahuas. We we I don't know how old they're saying this well, Chihuahua I was, is. I was going to say he's ten years old. Okay. And the previous dog I adopted, he was seven when I adopted him. So I don't mind an older. Dog, you're but. you're a good person, Susan. That's special. <laughs> Thank you. A you lot are. of people will not do that at that age. Well, I asked around. Some friends said no. It's possible he could live to be twenty. Sometimes yeah. he's. Chihuahuas are long lived. So. Right. The smaller breeds do tend to. You know, a lot of them do live longer, and so. Yep. But it's but it's good of you to open your heart to somebody you know at, at ten somebody he needs a he needs help and so oh, that's great. Well, this this worked for me with my previous dog. He lived for fourteen and a half years. Excellent. And I got him when he was seven. So and a year on prednisone, living with cancer. That's pretty phenomenal. So, he was a tough little dog. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he has the right mom. So <laughs> oh, good good luck, and you know, make sure you're. I'm sure they're going to reach out to your veterinarian to get you know just sort of a a little reference for you. Just make sure they know someone will be calling them. Okay. Oh, do oh yes yes I'm sure they do yes yeah so just you know give them a heads up because I'm sure that they're going to you know, say great things about you and how well you take care of your pets. <laughs> well, I try, yeah. All right, Susan, it was nice talking to you, and we are sorry for your loss. Well, thank you so much. Yep. Thank, thank take you. care. You too. Yeah. Bye-bye yeah. now. Yeah, it's, um, she's she's ready to, to open up her heart again. That's, That's nice. That's pretty special. That's nice. So, um, yeah, so I think that, um, and one thing just to sort of like a little tag beyond that is that always with these rescue groups, always make sure you meet them in person. Meet them in person. Don't take them right off the, uh, don't, try not to take a dog right off a truck that just was transported up, guys. Please. Meet them. Nice if they're in a foster home or at least mm-hmm. some sort of contact up here. We know they're healthy. Right. We want, we've been wanting to talk about a couple of cat issues mm-hmm. um, because right now uh, there's nobody on the phone, but you can feel free to call in at 860-522-9842. Give us a call. We have open phone lines, but we always have something to talk about just in case people are busy stocking up, mm-hmm. going grocery shopping. Um, and a couple of cat conditions that we don't see commonly, but it is, th- they're real issues. Right. There's one that is nicknamed fur mowing. Mm-hmm. And the person, will, the owner will come in with their cat and say his hair all fell out or it looks like somebody shaved it. Mm-hmm. Cats, and typically it didn't just fall out and nobody shaved it. And the people will often say, I didn't, I've never seen them licking themselves. And a cat will come in with, they can come with some beautifully symmetrical shave jobs. 
Oh, yeah. Perfect. The skin is bare. It doesn't necessarily even look inflamed. And what it is, is you may not have seen them doing it because but cats are good, are masters at doing this. And they will lick off their fur mm-hmm. in lovely, even patches. It looks, it's better than I can shave. Um, and it's quite <laughs> remarkable. And the most common thing that is going to cause a cat to do this is that they're itchy. Mm-hmm. And although some cats are visibly itchy and people see them scratching and it's obvious, some cats, it's just not that obvious. They hide it pretty well and they go sit behind the couch when you're not looking and lick themselves bald. Mm-hmm. The first, very, very first thing that you rule out for when they're doing this is to make sure they don't have fleas. And cats that are good groomers, you may not see the fleas. If you're lucky, you'll see flea dirt, which is that brown bowel movement of the flea that if you put it on a white paper towel, it's kind of black. It it turns red reddish because it's digested blood. Mm-hmm. But that's lucky if you see it. Mm-hmm. Some of these cats are such good groomers, you just have to put them on flea control and do a trial and right. say, does is this the problem? Because sometimes you never see that flea. And even indoor cats can have fleas because you go outside. Mm-hmm. So you go outside, you, for you can bring flea eggs home or a flea home. And a, one flea, we've talked about it before, is 100,000 fleas in short order. Right. So first things first, you've got an itchy cat, you've got to rule out a flea issue. Then you start looking. Mm-hmm. You can have allergies. You can have allergies to foods. You can have allergies to pollens. Cats get itchy. A lot of food allergy cats, their ears are a big target. You can have other types of parasites. Um, so first things first, you do skin scrapings. Cats do have type of mange mites they get. Um, they have notoedries, demodex, kyliel, a whole number of things. So you want to look for that. Well, your veterinarian your does. Veterinarian. Yes, yeah, don't. don't do that skin scraping. <laughs> it will ruin your relationship with your cat forever. Yeah, this is something we do in our hospital. That's right. So yes, bring it to your veterinarian. That's right. Um, checking for doing uh, fecal flotation. Sometimes those mange mites will show up in there. And sometimes intestinal parasites make them itchy. Checking ears for ear mites. Um, checking and then checking for fungus. Cats get ringworm. It's not like us. We get some pretty classic lesions. Cats can get crust. They can just be bald. They can just be itchy. They can just be flaky. So there's different tests. There's fungal cultures. There's using a black light to look for it. Um, so you need to go through and rule all these things out. Then you get down to, and allergies aren't in that. This is all parasites we're talking okay. about. Right. The next part you get to is um, sometimes you need to biopsy because there's some conditions that can cause itchiness that only biopsy are gonna, is going to tell you something. And typically your veterinarian will take that biopsy and spend, send it to actually a veterinary dermatopathologist, mm-hmm. or a, which is a pathologist that looks at skin all the time. Then now you've left it. You've taken the parasites off the plate. You're being dutiful with your monthly monthly or every three month or whatever type of flea control you're using, and your cat is still itchy. The next place to go is a food allergy trial. And that food allergy trials are putting them on specific diets that your veterinarian recommends that have limited ingredients or what they call hydrolyzed protein ingredients that the animal will not recognize as an allergen. Their okay. body won't recognize it that way. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. That can take eight weeks to get a full test there. But that's okay. your next step. Can I just sort of... Um, sure. When you're talking, since we're tying into our... Uh, our conversation yes. about foods yes. is that, and the foods that we recommend as veterinarians are only related to um, specific medical conditions. Correct. You know, because and we do, there's certain prescription um, dogs and cats right. foods that you cannot get over the counter. And, you know, we're, we're, we want to have, make sure people have proper nutrition, but the only main recommendations that you'll ever 
get from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital if is if it does have a medical uh, relationship. So especially when we start getting because people think just changing the protein is a, a change in there because they're concerned mm-hmm. about allergies and changing the protein isn't that's not the that's not the answer. Right. Use right. your use your veterinarian for that that type of advice. But exactly didn't need to take you off track. That's okay. Uh, sometimes the other thing. Sometimes we talked about demodectic mange. Sometimes it's hard to find. So sometimes it's treating for the demodectic mange is what mm-hmm. you have to do. And and there are some new some of the newer flea control medications will treat for that. So it's nice you don't have to dip your cat. Oh, remember which we those always used, days? Oh, just awful. So there's uh-huh. there's new things now. And then you kind of get to well now we think it may just be environmental allergy. So right. a lot of those cats will mm-hmm. do a steroid or prednisone trial to go ahead and take the itch out and see if that works. The very last thing, and this is often the first thing people mention, is there something psychologically wrong with my cat? That's at the bottom of the list. That doesn't right. happen nearly as often as it that they're just plain itchy, or we look, have to look for painful areas in the cat that they're looking at. But now, the most common areas, um, did you describe that? Whether it's the belly and got common areas with fleas, the common areas are often the back, the lower back by the tail, the tail is mm-hmm. yeah, and and then that can expand from there. So um, food allergies, the common place is their head. Um, mm-hmm. So those are kind of the real common areas, but. It can be anywhere. They can lick their belly. Sometimes belly is a sign of belly discomfort. So there's different things. Right. And I think the other thing that is helpful is sometimes people will find chunks of hair around. They'll just say, hey, we, we do know that there's mm-hmm. different um, chunks of hair, or they, but I don't see them chewing at them. Right. A lot of times they'll hide when they're going after themselves. Yep. Okay. So I think it's time for our quick break um and we'll be more we'll be back we have two phone calls we have to answer when we come back so we'll be right back on wtic news talk 1080 i spent 10,000 hours and 10,000 more oh, if that's what it takes to learn that sweetheart of yours and i might never get there but i'm gonna try if it's 10,000 hours or the rest of Welcome back. I just like that song. I do like that song. And Justin Levine likes that song. So Thank I, you, Justin. <laughs> thank you, Justin, for great music. And then we want to thank our producer, Mike, for again keeping things going very smoothly. Uh, we have about seven minutes left to, to our segment, but we do see John Matulis is walking around looking very diligent. He'll be on. Law Talk will be up next. So um, before we go to our next phone call, I do want to um, remind uh, people that there. There's always different benefits that um, do occur in the Hartford area, and we don't always um, promote um, everything that's going on, but this one is, is special. And um, one of my, my sort of TV sister, um, Renee Danino, had asked, um, she's very involved with Kenway's cause, and there is something called a Bark Twain Bash. It's, the, the Mar- it's at the Mark Twain House and Museum. It's only $35, and it is a fundraiser. There's going to be some delicious food from David James Catering, uh, great desserts from Gyp- Cake Gypsy. We love mm. those cupcakes, don't we? I um, love Cake Gypsy. And goodies from Leaps and Bones. It is Friday, March 6th. You can go online. Tickets are available. They're $35, as I said. The keynote speaker is um, the Honorable Diana S. Urban. She's um, actually she's a former state representative of North uh, Stonington, and she introduced Desmond's Law, which was um, really a horrific um a horrific issue that happened with Desmond. So, again, we're talking about fighting cruelty in pets and a great cause. Friday, March 6th, Kenway's cause. Okay. Um, 
and I love the Mark Twain house. Mm. If you have not been to the Mark Twain house, did Shane, you have to point out that I haven't been to the Mark Twain house? You have not been yet. No. Oh, well, you're it, making me feel bad. You're just going to say shame <laughs> on you. I heard. I heard it. But then the thirty-five. Well, if you pay eighty-five dollars, they're actually going to have a tour, a midnight or a late night tour Ooh. of the Mark Twain house too. So, um, oh, that's so nice. Consider that as well. I will. And Renee does. Renee does a fabulous job with Kenway's cause as do a lot of the other volunteers. So um, again, we're going to try to get our phone calls in, but time is running down and Fred, you're up next. Can you tell us briefly what's going on? Well, uh, I've got a five-year-old cat and he uh, goes outside and um, after he's been out a couple hours, he'll come in very hungry and go over and eat either soft food or, or dry food and within a few minutes after eating, up it comes. Okay. And uh, but it only seems when he's going outside. Well, it's it's. Or every time he just you put the food no, down. Not every time. No, he, he he'll be out for a few hours, mm-hmm. and he comes in and he's real hungry. Okay. And he just gobbles the stuff down, and, mm-hmm. and that's when it happens. He okay. eats too fast. Okay. And you don't see anything in the food. You don't see blades of grass. You don't see some hair. Uh, grass. Okay. A little, not much. Yeah, but it doesn't take much, um, and that's why I asked the question. Um, because, again, if that's why this, if it's more of a relationship versus he vomits more when he's just come from outdoors versus he hasn't gone, he hasn't eaten for several hours overnight, but, he, but when you feed him in the morning, he doesn't really vomit as much as when he's been outside, correct? Yes. Okay. I think I think it's more the grass than anything. Um, I think it's enough of an irritant uh, so that when you really sort of in, not gorge, I guess gorge yourself with some food, I would probably start. Um, my recommendation would be starting with a smaller amount of food, and if you're home with him, you know, giving him a little bit, maybe every couple of hours, and then of course some having some dry food too. It, it, will he eat dry food as well? Yes, the, the food stays out. We just put it in a bowl and when he eats. Yeah, but I think we're going to have to, he, he can get the same amount unless, do you take off for work or are you home? No, we're home. Okay. Let's kind of baby him a little bit. Um, I There's nothing that I can tell you to do other than not letting him out, which is going to so, stop right. him from eating the grass. I know some people have grass indoors um, that they ha- they grow and feel like that helps them not have that need to want to eat grass. And it's an old wives' tale that they're eating grass because their stomach is upset. Right. You know, they eat grass because they like it. Right. Uh, so I, I think if, other than keeping him in as one possibility, smaller meals throughout the morning after he's been out for a while, some dry food. They even have um, these automatic feeders that will just drop down a small amount of dry food at a time. So some of those things. Or like toy puzzle, toy food feed, those slow feeder toy puzzle type things. Do you want to explain those a little bit? Yeah, so there's some slow feeders um, and toy puzzles. It, you Basically, you're putting the food inside. They're either like some tracks that the food has to sit in, so it takes they have to eat slower, or they have little balls that they have to knock the food out of, so it just forces them to eat slower. Yeah, those are, and you can see those at pet mm-hmm. stores or, mm-hmm. or online. Right. So it's something that you can do. Now, um, sometimes, like if you were, those are some of the sort of the general recommendations. I still think that um, I would always recommend that you see, go and see your veterinarian at, at, at least once and discuss this mm-hmm. because sometimes we will, there's, Every time a cat vomits, they just seem to be more predisposed to 
vomit a little bit easier the next time. And I think always having a thorough exam is important. Sometimes we will give an injection that kind of stops the cycle of vomiting so that that stomach heals. Because every time he throws up, it just starts a little gastritis. Right. And, and some of these cats may be prone to things like inflammatory bowel disease as they're, right. when they react so easily to irritants. Um, then you wonder, are they heading in that direction? So, Right. So that's why we would never, I think, to do that, again, we're giving you some general thoughts, but we're not diagnosing what's going on. But I, I, to have a good physical exam is really important, mm-hmm. especially if there's a loose stool once in a while, but not every day. Yeah. I think it should be checked out, though. Yeah. All right. Okay, Fred. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Bye-bye now. I think that I like the even getting him to eat a little bit slower with that food puzzle mm-hmm. is really good. Um, well, again, we're down to our last 60 seconds before we have to go. So um, if we could just do a, a little something special in the news that I love this story. I thought this was pretty heartwarming. Mm-hmm. So which I, I'm a little late. You know, it's um, <laughs> it's it's a Super Bowl related story. Um <laughs> But and I hope I'm pronouncing the. I'm not a football fan, so I apologize. But it's Derek Nandi of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the dogs after he won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he basically all the dogs that were in a local shelter that he likes that he works with, he paid the adoption fees for all those dogs. So everyone that came to adopt those dogs would not have to pay an adoption fee to give them a a, a greater chance of getting adopted. I think that's incredibly special. You just won the most important game of your life. Yeah, you yeah. are as excited as can be. And his first thought was these shelter dogs. So I think that's fantastic. That's pretty special. Mm-hmm. I always think of the MVP going to Disney, but now this is going to be a little bit this going is cool. a different direction. Right. Well, that's the end of our show. We thank you so much for your participation. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And again, if you have any questions, you can contact us at Bloomfield Animal Hospital, CT.com. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye.